Hello, everyone. I'm Paige Smith with After School, a podcast project from Simon Fraser University's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology. After School showcases FCAT alumni in traditional and unconventional career paths across communications, interactive art and technology, contemporary arts, publishing, and digital media. We would like to respectfully acknowledge the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, Katsi, Coquitlam, Kakat, Kwantlen, Semiama, and Tawasin peoples whose unceded traditional territories our three campuses reside. In today's episode of After School, SFU communication student Jake Friedrich speaks with Adam Brayford, Director of Global Internal Communications for StaffBase. They discuss the importance of developing internal communication strategies among employers and employees, discovering a career path throughout a degree, and the importance of teaching yourself practical skills. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Hello, hello, and welcome back to After School. This week, we're turning to the professional side of communications, speaking with the Director of Global Internal Communications for StaffBase, formerly Bananatag, Adam Brayford. Adam has been a professional communicator for over 12 years and has worked with IABC, Simon Fraser University, and, of course, StaffBase slash Bananatag. For those who may not know, StaffBase is an internal communications platform designed to help unite your company through internal comms, HR and IT services, and management. So, without further ado, here's Adam Brayford. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, Thanks for having me. So, you work for Banana Tag, and uh, actually you're going to be changing to staff base, so I'll try to use one or the other. I may use them interchangeably, but (laughs) as long as we're on the same page for that. No problem. So, what is staff base, and uh, what do you do there? Yeah, so I'm the uh, Director of Global Internal Communications for uh, staff base, and we are uh, a tech company. We're a startup. Uh, with uh, about 550 employees um, operating in five countries with a thousand uh, customers, everyone from Samsung to Adidas to you know Sephora uh, and and even some local brands that you might know uh, here in BC, and we're um, a one-stop shop uh, internal comms platform. So especially in this day and age with COVID and everyone going remote for work. You have to reach out and connect with your employees and keep them on the same page in a number of different ways. There's companies with a lot of non-desk workers. There's companies where email is the primary channel. But whether you're using an employee app, intranet, email, Slack, Microsoft Teams, or soon text message, uh, StaffBase is the platform that you use to create, send, and measure those communications. Oh, cool. So what does your kind of day-to-day look like there? Yeah, well, okay. So in a in a startup world where, so we've reached, you know, coming together with StaffBase and formerly Bananatag, which is where I started. Uh, Bananatag was the, the email tool that then merged with StaffBase to form like a truly multi-channel solution. 
that's a lot of change though. You're going from a couple companies of about 250 people to 500. Suddenly we have $200 million of an investments and we're ultimately heading to, you know, IPO. So that's a lot of change for employees to go through. So my role as an internal comms professional is to help people navigate that change, keep honest, transparent, and productive communication between leadership and our people, and give people reasons to believe in our vision uh, and where we're going. You know, the, the internal comms function is a lot newer than external communication, than marketing. Um, it's not something that anyone was talking about when I was a student at SFU, but it is more and more people are realizing how foundational it is to achieving your goals as a company because your employees are your, your, your biggest resource. They're your biggest relationship, your biggest stakeholders, and potentially your biggest champions or your biggest risk if you're not treating them well and really staying on top of where they are. It all starts with having a really good, solid communication strategy. And part of that is, you know, the different kinds of stories that we tell. So we're preparing leaders to um, communicate with employees through uh, vlogs, through posts, through face-to-face encounters, um, you know, events. Um, And then if there's a crisis that crops up or there's a major change or investment that we make, we drop everything and we help, you know, make that happen as well. So it's it's quite a variable day-to-day experience, which I like. You, you kind of mentioned that, you know, there's a lot of kind of focus, especially at SFU and I'm sure communication programs around the country, continent, wherever, where, you know, external communications is the focus. I mean, I have another job as a digital content manager that focuses on external relations. I did a semester uh, with the co-op program as a part of the external relations team. So internal communications doesn't really seem to be as focused on. So kind of on that track, um, what was your experience getting into this field? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I never saw myself getting into internal communication, but that is kind of the story with anything I've gone into. I've surprised myself a number of times by happening upon an opportunity that I just couldn't pass up and saying yes and and diving into it headfirst. It's all about kind of budget and focus and how you operate your business. Um, If you were to talk to a communicator 15 years back, their view of communications would be different too, because it would be way more focused on uh, traditional methods of reaching an audience, which most often was media, um, through the media rather, and and setting up interviews like that. Um, Whereas the conversation has shifted a lot more towards strategic communication, how to align an organization around a solid comms strategy to help them achieve their goals. And, you know, organizations are realizing more and more, you know, you, you look at what happens in different companies. There was the situation in Facebook recently with the most recent whistleblower. Uh, Hootsuite has had their share of situations like that. And there's an element of how you run your business and, and how much trust you have in your leadership that's out of our hands as communicators. But at the very least, organizations are realizing that they need an expert who really understands what it's going to take to bring, you know, tens of thousands of employees around the world to the same direction that you're hoping to take your company. 
So yeah, I, I am kind of getting lost and, and forgetting the questions, but let me know if I'm not touching on them. <laughs> no, it's all right. You mentioned at the beginning of that answer there that, you know, you kind of surprised yourself and you didn't really kind of see when you first graduated SFU, maybe, which I'm sure a lot of students are in, in that position, myself included, um, where you don't really know where you're going to go after you graduate. So what was something that kind of got you interested in uh, professional communications career path? Was there anything or? Yeah, so it's funny. I think a lot of people in communication struggle with this issue, and especially communication, the way it's set up at SFU, because it's very broad and there's so many opportunities to to go into. And that makes it hard because, you know, we are not a software engineer who goes to be trained in that and then does it. Uh, there's a lot of different doors that you can take. So what initially turned me on to communication, uh, I started as a science student at SFU. I figured I'd be some sort of CSI person because, you know, those are the shows I watched in high school and that was my understanding of <laughs> what a career was. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, then I get to SFU and realize, you know, I, I'm really interested in this stuff, but I suck at it. So I spent a little bit of time dating the option of being a teacher. So I started taking French courses because I always do did French and I thought I'd be a French teacher. Uh, I ended up keeping going in French the whole time. But finally, when I spoke to an academic advisor, I talked about, you know, hey, I might be interested in journalism. And so they pointed me towards comms. And uh, that, you know, the path ebbed and flowed from there. You mentioned co-op before. Co-op was, along with being involved in IABC, the, the, the Global Comms Association, the biggest game changer for me as a student that helped me figure out what I didn't want to do and did. So, you know, I got to try out the flip side of journalism, which is PR. I got to do a lot of media interviews, which is really fun. And it helped me realize that, you know, that area of comms wasn't for me, but I did like public speaking. I got to try out uh, working at SFU, which, you know, led to a career at SFU at one point. I worked for the Forest Service. Uh, so, you know, wildfires, everyone's talking about them these days. So when there was a wildfire, I'd interview about it and I'd fly to fire zones and, you know, keep the media safe and out of the like danger zone. So, yeah, I think it's just a collection of things. Like, I think there's a tendency to worry when you're getting towards the end of your degree about exactly what you're going to do. And my advice, like obviously co-op, obviously volunteering with an association like IBC, but not to worry too much about diving into the exact thing you think you want to end up in right away. Like I ended up doing my first job at SFU and I never thought I'd be interested in that. Um, but I learned so much there and it eventually turned into the next opportunity and the next. So, you know, you never know how it's going to happen, but a um, lot of amazing opportunity in comms, that's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, it's funny you kind of mentioned journalism. I go into your academic advisor saying, hey, I want to get into journalism. That kind of happened to me, too. So <laughs> it's it's kind of nice to hear that, you know, I feel like my path in this degree hasn't been very linear either. And it's kind of nice to hear that, you know, your path wasn't very linear. Uh, my last interview, uh, her path wasn't very linear either. So kind of focusing more on your time at SFU, uh, you mentioned that you started as a science student, you kind of moved into French, and then you mentioned you wanted to go into journalism and you end up in communications. Can you tell me a little more about your time at SFU? Yeah, totally. So I lived with my parents while I went to school. Very lucky, uh, depending on how you look at it. Um, and I commuted I in. <laughs> oh yeah, you know it's a big, big, big money saver that not everyone gets to do. But uh, I commute in from North Delta, and for me, I was always a real kind of 
practical realist. So when I say that I didn't necessarily go into the exact end job I wanted right away, I was always kind of, I, I had my head grounded in, you know, what do I need to put into this to get out my desired outcome and how can I get there in, in baby steps? So I would say I loved communication. I just, it, it felt natural for me when I finally found the school of communication, like they spoke my language. I, I, everything seemed easier because I was in the right place. You know, when I started in science, I was forcing it. It was hard. I think I looked up in the middle of a genetics midterm when I was having the hardest time on the test. And I looked up and I was like, I suck at this. What am I doing? What is my career even going to be? And I decided in that moment, I was dropping the class and leaving science. And I got up. I didn't finish the test. I didn't even know if I could drop that class, but I did. I it was, you know, I was just within the deadline and switched out of it. So, yeah, I, I you know, I love communication. I think the, the biggest things for me, because I am so practical, were co-op uh, and those work experiences and the courses that were grounded in, you know, real world experiences. So I think probably, you know, there's a couple of memories that come out for me. My top three classes would have to be Peter Anderson, uh, Emergency Communication, which was so interesting having done that co-op for the Forest Service. Martin Laba, it was Practical Communication for Social Issues. I cannot believe I know these names because these course names, it was like way over a decade ago. And um, the final one was Catherine Murray, who I think is now in, uh, in the arts, but she taught a class on political communication and we took it during Obama's 2008 campaign and he got elected for his first term during the class and I'll never forget Catherine Murray reading the lines of his speech the yes we can speech that famous speech when he gets elected and uh just really dramatically and you know obviously there you know lots of praise for him but she said you know the speech is okay if one of you wrote it in this class I'd give you a b minus but Obama really sells it. <laughs> so Obama gets the A. Um, wow, but yeah. yeah, some good, good, good memories of the student years way back when, yeah. <laughs> oh, it sounds like it. So kind of going into our last few questions here, you know, you've kind of mentioned a few things before, but is there anything you would tell current students or recent grads who are interested in a professional communications career? Yeah, I think one of the things I learned early on in co-op is because communication at SFU is such a theoretical discipline, there's a lot of practical skills that you need to teach yourself. And so for the you know first year or so of, of taking communication, I just kind of like waited for someone to teach them to me. Like I'm talking things like you know, graphic design or you know, different tools that are out there. I mean, you, you've worked in digital roles, so you know that communication plays a big role in the strategy and proper communication that goes into using technology instead of just, you know, investing in tech and, and not doing a good job of it. But the thing is, you kind of just have to download these programs and try them out. So what I did is in my co-ops, I always tried to, you know, get my work done and then try to add a little bit to my scope and say, what if I helped you with this? And what if I helped you with this? And the more you can do that and come to an employer with that rounded skill set, the better. But I would say in communications, 
strategy is always, I wanted to say king, but we shouldn't use that language anymore. Strategy is queen in communication. (laughs) So um, really uh, get comfortable with what a communication strategy looks like. I mean, it's a, there's a global approach to it. Everyone should be doing it the same way. Take workshops. And that is the skill that will, regardless of any technology, because technology will always change, that's the thing that you need to master. So, uh, yeah, get out there, try things, volunteer, learn new skills, and, and, you know, that's how you learn. 100%. Yeah, you mentioned kind of having to teach yourself these things. And um, I think it took me up until, you know, this past summer uh, semester. I'm in my last year, but I did my last summer semester. I'm like, well... I'm probably going to have to start figuring some of these things out on my own. So uh, earlier uh, that you can kind of get on that, the better. Um, You mentioned, you know, communication strategy is something that you really want to familiarize yourself with. Um, uh, Do you know, like, what are some of the top skills that uh, professional communicators should master when entering this field of work? Um, You know, on top of strategy, uh, understanding like the technology out there and whatnot. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, one of them is storytelling. Um, and when I say storytelling, you know, it's just the, the, the undying skill, whatever medium you're using, whether you're, um, you know, writing a speech for an executive or it's a, um, you know, um, a press release or an email or whatever it might be, you're, you're trying to capture the minds of your audience um, by connecting with them on an emotional level. And we do that through stories. Um, so uh, it's, it's an interesting practice of graduating from university and then unlearning everything you learned about academic writing for the business world. And that'll look very different depending on the business you're going into and it won't apply to everyone. And some of the people listening will go on to academic careers, which is amazing. Um, but you know, in my world, in the tech world, uh, and in internal communication, uh, less is more. So the fewest words possible, cl- most clear, more casual in tone. Um, so definitely storytelling. And then beyond that, like junior roles will look different than senior roles. You'll get a little bit less hands-on in the implementation of stuff as you go on in your career, but at least for that first half decade. Um, you know, when you're in a generalist communication role, if you are, you know, you might need a little bit of graphic design. Uh, you might need a little bit of video editing. Um, you you know might need to write a press release. Uh, so you might need to edit a website. All that stuff um, definitely helps you. And then even as you progress in your career and you're just operating at the strategy level and not having to implement that, I've always found that having a good hands-on understanding of um, tech and tools and design and all that stuff helps inform my strategies better because I know how they're going to be brought to life. Absolutely. You mentioned, you know, video editing. Okay, I've done that. Draft design, okay, done that. So, um, you know, kind of being able to do a little bit of everything seems to be, um, you know, a good way to kind of approach it. Uh, But that's all the questions I have for you today. Uh, Thank you again for coming on and talking to me today. My pleasure. Uh, Thanks. This is fun. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, where can we find you? Oh yeah, totally. Uh, well, I'm on Twitter at Adam Brayford, A-D-A-M-B-R-A-Y-F-O-R-D. And, uh, yeah, feel free to reach out there and, uh, give me a show. All right.
Awesome. Uh, I'm going to go and follow you on Twitter right now. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I'll follow you back. Um, All right, this awesome. is a great interview. Good questions. Thanks for this. Yeah, no problem. Thank you again for coming on. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from you again someday soon in the future. Fantastic. Talk All soon. Right, awesome. Well, thank you, Adam. Bye now. After School is a podcast project from Simon Fraser University's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology. This has been our conversation with Adam Brayford, hosted by Jake Friedrich. The After School podcast is created by Tessa Arsenault, Emma Keeler-Dugas, Stacey Coplin, myself, Paige Smith, and each of our student hosts. You can learn more about SFU's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology at our website, sfu.ca slash fcat. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn with our handle fcat at SFU. That's fcat at SFU. You can learn more about SFU's School of Communication on their website, sfu.ca slash communications. And you can follow them on Twitter and Instagram at sfucmns. Next time on After School, we'll be hosting a conversation with Milton Lim, a digital media artist, game designer, performance creator, and alumnus of SFU's School of Contemporary Arts. Make sure you subscribe to After School on your podcasting app of choice so you don't miss this next episode. We'll see you next time. Bye.